was a disappointing afternoon at Marvel Stadium. The Hawks steamrolled by the Saints in the first and final quarter. The game was bookended with bad footy. Now it's up to us here at the Hawk Talk Pod HQ to produce some positive takeaways and look at all the news coming out of the club this week. Welcome to the Hawk Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mason. Battling an energy-sapping cold and the intro is taking the out of me, I'll throw to my co-host, who this week has joined the footy world in reliving the best highlights of one, Lance Buddy Franklin. G'day, Tiz. G'day, mate. Lance Franklin, Buddy, finishing up. Yeah, it's been a, a little bit emotional. I have thought to myself, is this affecting me more than when he left? And I can't know that for sure, because I was obviously very upset when he departed for Sydney. But I am... Yeah, sort of feeling emotional about it. It's sad that such a superstar uh, has has called time, and in the circumstances that he has, obviously not ideal, but then also strangely fitting for a guy that, although the spotlight called to him, he himself was an introvert, really. He he didn't like the limelight, um, and now he goes out in the most unceremonious fashion you could think of. Yeah, he just... uh... Bows away from the game with a calf injury, but look, what a fantastic pickup he was for Hawthorne. You know, uh, even even with the fact that he turned coated and left, and you only have to look at what he did at Hawthorne to to see that uh, you'd rather be, you know, have Buddy on the ascendant than <laughs> watching him descend off those highs at Hawthorne. And uh, you know, there's questions about online is. Uh, was the deal worth it? Um, certainly for Sydney, it was worth it. They made a lot of money, got a lot of crowd, and one of the highest, uh, well, unpaid memberships sort of uh, in the country so that they can leverage huge sponsorships off that because they, they know they've got a lot of eyes on their club. But what about Buddy? Like, is it worthwhile for him? A couple of Coleman's and a few grand final appearances. And I mean, we I know, and I, I definitely know that he should have won a another premiership in 16 that that dog's premiership shouldn't have happened and then i was i was sort of rooting for him last year really but uh no i I think it was a successful move um perhaps more personally than professionally i mean you look at his life he's you know he's got a beautiful wife he's started a family he's very much settled there he seems happy he does and that was one of the things that was at hawthorne was a problem was his personal life and, and what he was doing off field but he really smartened that up when he got to Sydney, didn't he? Personally, on that note, that it, it has worked out for him, and I love that for Lance. Um, professionally, I think he's accomplished a lot at Sydney as well. Um, he should have had another flag. At least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's true that he did his best work at Hawthorne. As you say, you want, it, you want him on the upswing not on the on the down, and I think Hawthorne got that. Taken at pick five in the 2004 National Draft, 182 dazzling games in brown and gold in the end before heading to Sydney, of course. Now, uh, he booted 1,066 career goals in total in the end, but 580 of those are with Hawthorne, the fifth most of all time, that is, and achieved four of his eight All-Australian selections while at Hawthorne. I remember at the time those photos coming out, you know, we'd... We, we had Hodge, and, and Hodge wasn't looking like the player we thought he'd be. And then we went early in the draft, and we saw we got Roughhead, who looked like he was going to be a really good player. And then we got this skinny Buddy Franklin, who already had a nickname. And I was like, oh, okay, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Jordan Lewis. And um, 
the electricity that Buddy brought to the game early on, even in his early career, was incredible because he just had this ability to to um, bring in the players around him because uh, he was doing things that a kid that age shouldn't even be trying to do. Clarko was even shocked in the box. He he mimicked supporters who were in the crowd. You know, he was surprised. Well, that was the chief appeal of Buddy Franklin and, and his ability to put bums on seats is the fact that, as, as I wrote during the week you know, on, on Twitter, is that he brought a certain electricity and he made you believe that anything was possible. You know, it, it just seemed like when the ball got near him, you knew something was going to happen and you knew it was going to be just ridiculous. That was his power, and, and rivaled for me only by Cyril Rioli. They're my two favourite players of all time, and I can't really split them because they both share that certain pure electricity that I have not really seen since. They're both in the same forward line. How ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're absurdly <laughs> privileged to have them part of the same club and part of the same golden era. Franklin was honoured as Hawthorne's Peter Crimmins medalist uh, in the club's premiership year of 2008, uh, six-time leading goal kicker for the Hawks, including two Goal of the Year awards, mate. You'd remember these. 2010, of course, this one's been talked about a lot during the week already, versus uh, Kale Hooker, who uh, <laughs> Buddy's retirement <laughs> must be dredging up all the vision that Kale Hooker hates. Well, yeah, but also the luckiest man in footy is probably McVeigh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who was running after him on the first one. and. <laughs> And that's the that's the interesting part about it. I saw you had an exchange online about how uh, how important Hooker is to that goal, and I think that's one of the moments in sport, or, or something about sport, that if your opponent is trying their guts out, they'll push you to even better and more extraordinary feats. And I think the fact that Hooker is absolutely pummeling himself trying to get there. And that means that Buddy can't just waltz into 50 and slot it. He has to keep running at full pelt. You know, he has to go into the boundary and then put it through because another Essendon player is ready to touch it this time if he tries to jag it through on the ground. Well, that's part of the magic of that goal, right, is that you know that Buddy is trying his best. The guy behind him dictates that. And yet Lance Franklin makes it look so easy. Lance Franklin's best... Looks like cruise control. It's insane <laughs> that he was able to do that twice. And real clutch moments, because we won that game in the end, didn't we? And, and that's another thing. So many of his highlights happen at the end of big games where the score is within 10 points. Yeah, that's right. Where you're meant to be gassed. But then there's also some highlights where, you know, he kicks these ridiculous goals in the first minute of the game. Like, what are you meant to think about that? Like, okay, this is how the game starts, is it? Okay, cool. <laughs> just just, uh, just a ridiculous amount of, of talent uh, it came to the football club and then it had to be cajoled into working hard and doing the right things by the rest of the footy club. And uh, it was great to see that uh, one of his Instagram posts was just him, Clarkson and Longmire, uh, embraced in the, I think it was in the Sydney rooms, but let's let's forgive that. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely it's going to be in the Hawthorne rooms with Longmire there, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a bit sad. I'm I'm not that sad. I I think it it makes it a little bit easier actually to go and look at the highlights. <laughs> As a matter of fact, 
and appreciate some of his time at Sydney more. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Look, it's a it's a celebration of a fantastic career. So many great goals. I mean, the hurdle is probably the most requested vision that we've had. That's just uncanny. That is absolutely uncanny. 12 seconds from end to end and oh, just brilliant athleticism. But most significantly, mate, uh, Buddy goes down in history as a dual premiership player for the Hawks, 2008 2013 and uh, amazing memories that we've had. Yeah, well, 08 gets the underline because he's a Peter Crimmins medalist in that year. And I think, as a supporter, that's one of the top achievements for any for any uh, player at Hawthorne is to be best during a premiership season. Yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, we see the debate rage on, was he better at Hawthorne? Was he better at Sydney? Well, 2008, 113 goals all told by the final game ending, and uh, that's all I need to point to. Did he do that another year? Oh, he didn't. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think all you need to do is, is point to the fact that we released a DVD about his goals. <laughs> Buddy Bonanza. And that hasn't happened in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. That's the argument. That's what I'm going with. Probably not going to happen now either. It's a dead format. However... <laughs> <laughs> We move on because Lance Franklin is not the only retiree this week. They're all starting to come out, mate. There's quite a few. Shannon Hearn has called it as well. But back home at the Hawks, uh, Max Lynch has called his retirement. From the club website, uh, Hawthorne Ruckman Max Lynch will retire from football after an AFL independent medical concussion panel recommended that he cease participation in contact sport permanently. What a thoroughly likeable man. Yeah. Um, The way he presented that to the group. And at 24 years old, let's not forget that. Like, he's just a kid. Even though he might be huge, a <laughs> big fella, he's still just a kid. 24, 24 years of age is nothing, even in the AFL landscape. And, and for him to have to call it quits um, would be... I, I, I hesitate to say a relief, but it would be... Um, a, well, it would be closure for, for, for him, really. Like, each time he went out, he would have... It would have been a brave act, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the case for all of them. It does take bravery to get out there. But to know that the next hit could be what brings you to this point. So uh, Max is going to go on at the club with AFLW, isn't he? He's going to be a coach. Yeah, he's a part of the development team. I think his personality and his ability to give energy to everyone around him um, will be will be great for the club. And obviously, uh, he'll have other things going on in his life. And But yeah, quite... Quite sad, and we saw glimpses of his talent. So mobile for a ruckman. It was uh, very enjoyable to watch. He was a good talent. I um, I very much appreciated him being in brown and gold. Um, and it is with a sadness that a career comes to an end like this. But also, I couldn't help that when I read the news, it came with a sigh of relief for me. Because, you know, his well-being, his long-term well-being was under serious doubt each time he was taking to the field. Um, pushing through that over and over again was rolling the dice. And you just, there are things that are bigger than footy. I I thought about his loved ones and I thought about them breathing a sigh of relief. Um, Look, he he seems like a a huge personality. He's a thoroughly likable man. Obviously, he's got his AFLW gig and apparently they love him at the AFLW level. Um, He'll have plenty of things ahead of him now. Um, and, and that's what he should focus on. This is an opportunity uh, and a release from a, an incredibly dangerous environment for him. It's a sigh of relief. Obviously, not going to script his footy career, but uh, he'll have plenty ahead of him now. But it's the um, it's the maturity that he's 
Oh, Mike, he only found about this, found out about this on Saturday, and he's talking about it on Tuesday that his dreams in this area are, are dashed, and the way he faced it was just uh, well in, inspiring, just uh, very composed. Now you'll notice that we opened with uh, two items regarding retirees. Now some people might be expecting that we just want to dodge the Saints recap, and uh, they'd be right. Yeah, let's, um, let's focus on the half that we played, which was the second quarter and the third quarter. Because <laughs> we won. We won that half. <laughs> oh, mate, I was, I was so angry. And we went together again, which uh, you're probably regretting. Only because he constantly gives shit to Mitch Lewis. <laughs> oh, that's, just, that's just a way of me venting for the rest of the shambles that was in front of us. And that bloke, I told him to go back to 71 because uh, he accused us of being thugs. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, it, it just, there's a certain level of naivety to the selections with Blank being a sub and, um, you know, thinking that Sicily wasn't going to get absolutely uh, manhandled and worked out of the contest and couple of times they just jumped on his shoulders to take him out of the contest and 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 that happened in the fourth quarter of our victory against them so they're obviously going to continue along that path um and and yet you know we we were forced to make a change in in our back line because we were too short which you know any bloke in the outer could have told you and um then we take off Seamus Mitchell who thoroughly deserving of playing out the game and we certainly lacked run in the second half and I understand all the arguments of, well, you've got to see what Bramble's capable of if he's going to stay on the list, you know. Um, and and there's, there are blokes who are genuinely playing their best as they reach the end of this year's contract, like Wingard. Wingard had a fantastic game, 80% disposal efficiency, 26 touches, 10 score involvements, two goals. You know, and where was that a month ago? But are you going to look at that and go, all right, well, he can do that, we, let's take him on for another season, or are you going to look at that and go, well, where was this for two years? I think it's worth one more season. I would not be going above uh, a year's contract. Now, whether Chad wants to buy into that, I'm not sure. I dare say that there'd still be some clubs out there that would, uh, you know, take an interest. Oh, yeah. He obviously has high-level talent. He looked a class above at times. A couple of Meek after quarter time. That's easily his best. He was fantastic, uh, and responded. Which <laughs> poor Meeky. He's responded to aggression from the coach. So it's only going to happen every week from now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his disposal was poor, forty percent. However, fifteen hitouts to advantage. We won the hitouts overall, fifty to thirty. And yeah, just one mark. I know I've criticised Reeves for that, but. Meek was very visibly influential. Yeah, there are a couple of ta- well, that tap to Wingard. It comes out of the pack, goes to Wingard, and snap, beautiful, and we're on. We are definitely going. And then there are a couple of incidents which we'll probably get to. But in terms of the good, Bruce kicking six straight, apart from one that didn't make the distance, which you know wouldn't appear on the stat sheet if I hadn't remembered remembered it. <laughs> but what a terrific display from him. Um, Day was excellent again. 22 touches, 90% disposal efficiency, 700 metres gained, kicking two goals himself, two goal assists. You know, this um, this kid had a quiet couple of weeks, but Day is the future and he's just... 
Apart from him, Warple at the bottom of nearly every pack, 30 touches at 80%. Like, he doesn't want to leave as far as I'm concerned. The efforts are huge. And then we had our debutant, Brandon Ryan. It finally happened, mate. We were calling for it and calling for it. Brandon Ryan has made his debut. And what did you think? I thought he looked like an elongated Johnny Barker. Just a little... (laughs) Just a little bit taller, just in the way he moves. And um, one goal one, but very good hands, uh, four scoring involvements. And a couple of times he was out of position, but he refused to give up the contest. And I think Wingard profited with a goal as a result of that. It was great to see. He went missing at times, as young players do, and we saw in the interviews how nervous he he, he said he was. And, uh, you know, he, he said he's generally, generally nervous. But this time, it was all nerves. So, look, I really liked the look of him. I thought he moved well with Mitch Lewis. There was only a couple of times where they got in each other's way. He's only been in the club less, what, a month? And he hasn't been playing all that time. So, amazing first performance. And I thought, you know, that's a guy we can sort of pin our hopes on. Fusa asked, uh, Sticks Ryan looks like a likely type on the telly. How did he look live? Was he able to get to many contests or does he need to build a tank? Some good dukes. Hopefully we see him play out the year. Uh, I'd agree with that. He he does look awkward, but he tries his guts out. You can tell that he's really putting in. He's not a quick guy, but of course he wouldn't expect that. No, he's, uh, he's a bit loping, um, but he has that... Uh he has that running style where where they lean forward to gather momentum. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll change. He'll um he'll kick through the legs and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I really like his ability to protect the ball. And there are a couple of times where he got pushed in the back because they were just too worried about him taking taking the ball. And uh, he wasn't beaten in the contest, obviously. Like he wasn't outmaneuvered. Um. He didn't have a fantastic opponent, but that's great for a first for a first you know game. Really happy. This question from Peter: When Brandon Ryan's contract expires, how do you see him continuing with Hawthorne? He seems to have many weapons in his arsenal. However, the long kick is not one of those yet. Looking forward to him playing in the seniors for the rest of the season. Well, so am I. I hope he gets more of a shot. Uh, I mean, there's only a few rounds left, and I see no reason not to persist with him. Um, he, he's shown plenty in his first outing. Uh, I would say that he does have the long kick. I know that it didn't appear like it in this game at times, but uh, having watched him at Box Hill, I- I'm not worried about that at all. He, What was against Richmond the week before uh, his debut? A-, a thumping kick from outside 50 that was super important in the context of the game. I, I think he does have that weapon, and you know, time will tell. Well, I, I expect we'll see it before the, year- before the year's out. Yeah, I mean... He's got a bit of work to do on his body, but um, but there's a bit of natural talent there with the marking that I really like. Now, for the not-so-good. So, is this the first or the second time a Hawthorne have really got done over by the small forwards? I feel like that happens every few weeks. Not it's... to this extent. Each of them had multiple goals. Like, I was like, ugh. It was Ross Lyon, everyone, and I thought, like, I was thinking 40 points last week after how they played against North. But the lack of effort in that first quarter in the guts uh, from the centre contest, you know, it's just, it just wasn't good enough. And they were getting easy goals. It wasn't like they were kicking them from the pocket or anything. They were getting out the back and getting, getting easy goals. And then all they had to do was put a modicum of 
pressure on our half-backs and and we turned it over and it was another goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like it was lost early uh, with the midfields, um, you know, not stepping up, almost like there were... They were ambushed by St Kilda's sheer desire and will at the contest. It just they were completely outplayed, and then that put uh, undue pressure on our on our uh, defensive cohort. Especially our half backs looked as bad as they have all year. Just some of the mistakes, some of the lack of effort and pressure. But it looked like Hawthorne were prepared to attack for that first half, judging by the selections and how the team structured. And then Rossi was like, "Nah, we're going to put nine past you in the first quarter in this contest." And we came back, we got within two goals, you know, incredible effort from a young side. Yeah, it, it was. And I'm pleased that they're able to turn it around. But I don't know, I, I don't know how positive to feel about it. Because as I said, mate, I think at the game that, you know, I've just experienced the same disappointment twice in the one game. Yeah, I think generally a lot of the younger players are getting tired as they as they get into the end of the season. I thought Sicily was well managed by Sikilda. His influence wasn't as great, obviously it was ridiculous last time jazz looked like he copped a couple of knocks during the game bramble had he, he lost confidence throughout the game i think he had two touches after half time and uh, ran below 50 percent disposal efficiency so i don't know is bramble going to stay on the list it's uh, no he probably doesn't stay on the list at this point he's got i mean he's got a he's got a tick for risk taking like he's allowed to take risks off the half back line but they're not coming off and then Frosty had that moment and really changed the momentum of the of the game. We had this question from Aiden. Selection these past few weeks has been pretty fishy, even though we're stuck in our position on the ladder. We must play Jekka in defence for Frost. I'd rather Jekka have three goals kicked against him from losing contests than Frost giving away three goals from cartoonishly silly errors. Yeah. Well, Jekka's not really playing one-on-one. He's not doing a Frost-type role, is he? But I agree. I'd like to see it. Is this the week to make these changes, though? Because we're staring down a Collingwood side that just lost to Carlton on Friday night. Oh, yeah, they'll be back with a vengeance. Uh, I don't think this week is the week to make those changes, but Frost is still extremely frustrating. And to Aiden's point, you kind of know what you're going to get at this point. And I think Jekka has really been earning it at Box Hill, which we'll get to soon, but... Yeah, I don't know. Not not the only problem here. I mean, with Finn McGuinness, I'm not sure that the good adequately compensates for the bad. Um, I think he gets a go this week. I think he plays on Dacos. Um, but beyond that, I'm not sure what the future holds for him. McKenzie, obviously still very young. This is the first time he's looked properly all at sea. He looked out of his depth this game, which is unfortunate. Well, I want to say, I want to say how frustrated I was that Nash was not in the guts. Yeah. Like we were outbodied in the center and he was sat on the wing watching stuff happen. And when you see that as a supporter, that's when you get really irate because that is an an obvious move. But you know, Sammy's looking to the future. I understand he wants to see how they can and they should have been able to at least hold their own against St Kilda. But if things are going against you, maybe you do need the chop out of a big body coming in. I think this is the first game where it's significantly weighed on my mind that I'm not really sure what the coaches were doing here. I felt like it was a failure in strategy and selection. And- I wouldn't say that. I would say that Ross had it all over him this time. And there was a, there was a touch of arrogance to the blank selection. And he saw that and he just showed that to his group and said, look, we're going to make him pay for this 
level of arrogance. Nick had a question. Which of the AFL-listed players have you seen at Box Hill and would like to see in the senior side before the year is out? Sounds like Sarong has been having a solid run of form. Are we likely to see him at AFL? And who else? The list clearly needs some pruning. We need to see what we've got. Yeah, well, I think Sarong is safe, and I don't think they're going to bring him up to AFL level. Uh, Bennett's could be interesting. I don't think much of the... Well, what I've seen, well, what I saw from Brockman on the weekend? No, no. Based on that game, you'd say that maybe his spot on the senior side could be vulnerable. And they also positioned him out of defence at some points just to get his hands on the footy. Um, So we saw him well back in defence and, uh, you know, he got the ball, got it out, looked fine, you know, but just couldn't get near it at the other end. We'll get to the Box Hill recap. They notched up its 13th win of the season, Box Hill. 17-19-121 defeated Sandringham, 11-8-74. Made light work of the Sandy Zebras, who were gallant but just simply overwhelmed by the might of a true premiership contender. The win marks our most successful campaign since 2017 in terms of wins posted in the home and away season. Gotta love that. Yeah, so there are two blokes, well, probably three, that were not happy at being dropped. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jack Scrimshaw made Sammy look a bit silly. Uh, he got 32 touches at 75%, reeled in 14 marks, recorded a game-high 10 score involvements from the back line, if you don't mind, and looked a class above him. Didn't he kick a goal at the end? It was a beautiful goal. He did kick a goal at the end, yeah. And uh, Denver Greicher Barras, my goodness. From zero to hero, mate. He went from donuts to delivering the goods. He kicked five goals too. And he did it with anger. He, <laughs> he just... He had his opponent on the ground at times when the ball was still in, in the contest. and his, But I think he kicked four by that stage. He kicked another one, made it 5-2. He only had 11 touches, but, you know, with that kind of percentage. (laughs) (laughs) Ruthless efficiency. Five goals from 11 touches. They will take that, I reckon. What about this guy, Ned Long? A game-high eight clearances, including a game-high five centre clearances. He laid a game-high nine tackles to go with 24 touches, four inside 50s, three rebound 50s, eight score involvements and a goal himself. What is it going to take? For this guy to get a regular go in the seniors. 100%. And there were times where he was being tackled and there was another tackle coming. Do you remember that goal buddy? I'm looking at the highlights. You know, remember that goal buddy Franklin has against Brisbane where one guy tackles him and another bloke tackles him? He basically uses the second tackler to take out the first tackler. <laughs> yeah, he basically beats three opponents. And then goes around the next one and puts it through. Ned Long had a moment in the centre where he's basically stationary, about to accelerate. He gets tackled, a second tackler in front of him, and he accelerates through both tackles at Box Hill. And I thought, well, not at the time I didn't think of Buddy, but at the time I saw Buddy kick that goal, I remembered back to Ned Long at the weekend, and I thought, this guy has some serious strengths, core strengths. Yeah, he does. Yeah, this is definitely in Ned Long's wheelhouse, and he was doing it from the outset. I want to see it against St Kilda. God, you could have done with that, you know? Yep, absolutely. Um, So I don't know what it takes. There's only a few rounds left. And, you know, he got one brief shining chance as a sub. And now he's straight back out again. I just, come on. There's got to be room for this guy. You've got to give him a go. I thought we were about rewarding performances. Yeah, and I saw Rammer, Ramsden, 
at Marvel Stadium on the weekend, and, and he played he played quite well on Saturday. And you know he got selected a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, he had the had the head knock in training, so we might get to see him before the end of the season. But you know, Long Long's already contracted for next year, so this is just pure ego trying to get back to that side, isn't it? <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. And then you've got Jekka, who's on the chopping block, and he'd be under pressure. Nine in disposals, at ninety percent disposal efficiency, eight marks, solid as a rock, patrolling the back half. And, yeah, I'd love to see it. I really would love to see him come into the senior side. Yeah, Jack is doing his utmost to retain a spot on the list. Um, you know, it's not been his year, but upon returning, he has looked very solid in defence. He is making a case, and that's great to see. Do I stand by my prediction that he'll get cut and then offered a lifeline as a rookie? Uh, yes, I believe that will happen. You don't think someone else will take him? No, I don't think so. I think Hawthorne will give him an assurance. Anyway, we're well on the way at uh, at Box Hill. It's um, a real ping at a premiership now. Yeah, yeah. It makes me worried that Gold Coast look just excellent. They have to be outright premiership favourites. Werribee are also fantastic. And then there's us. And then there's Brisbane. And Brisbane look shaky. I mean, we, we beat them. Uh, Brisbane have looked very shaky at times. So... There's your top four, and uh, well, we have a bye next week, or bye this week, sorry, and then return to action against Footscray, Box Hill City Oval the following week, Saturday, August 12, and then uh, beyond that, there's one game left, I think, in our home and away season, and then it's on to finals, and I don't know, I, I, I would hope that we go deep. Oh, surely we do. It doesn't matter what talent we've seen to put out there, uh, and it's been a revolving door, must be said. We've had our, as I say, most winningest season. Since 2017, you would hope that this group is able to go far. Well, I mean, there are a few moments against Sandy where uh, the defensive half didn't look too crash, crash hot, a few easy goals, but, um, you know, you can tighten that up for finals and we never seem too worried about it. Now, on to Saturday at uh, 4.35. Hopefully you'll be well enough to go, Nick. Yeah, well... What am I in for if I do rock up? If I get myself match fit, as it were, Tiz, what, what am I going to see exactly? Well, they've put the cue in the rack, Collingwood, haven't they? <laughs> Are they just going to... Let, they let Carlton show them up. I only had one key forward. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and we've got two, Mitch Lewis and Brandon Ryan. So I, I think there's an element of, of Collingwood looking to rest players and, and, and just get everyone cherry ripe for finals. And uh, you'd do that now and then have a continued six six to seven weeks after this period. This is their this is their opportunity for that. So hopefully we can see that in the selections, but you don't know what McRae's gonna do really. They've got a quite a good VFL side. Yeah, they do. And you know, we don't know what McRae's gonna do, but also I, I don't know what to expect from Hawthorne anymore. I don't know which Hawthorne's going to rock up which quarter. It's just impossible to know. Uh, I think it bodes well that last year we were one of the teams where Collingwood had another one of their great escapes. They only just got past us. We do we do play well against Collingwood. We seem to match up well. We seem to know their style. We know, understand what they're trying to do and, and look to defeat it. But be good to see how we go against Tom Mitchell. See how our our team lines up against their midfield. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that whole question has been put to bed. I think so. About uh, Amir and Mitchell. So 
and it didn't. I thought it'd take a couple of years, but uh, it took less than a year. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, who comes in? Who comes out? Well, of course, Reeves is available for selection again. You got the due point at about 4.35 on Saturday, so I don't think you're playing two rucks. So Meek, does he stay? Meek stays, yeah. I thought that was the performance I've been looking for from Meeky. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Bramble probably comes out, I would say. Maybe for Morrison. Surely Scrimshaw comes in after that performance i would hope so but then who are you taking out don't know don't care <laughs> i mean there were there were so many in the back half that didn't clearly didn't look up to it weren't weren't patrolling the defensive 50 last last week that um surely you should do that does blank get a gig oh i think he does i think due to the structure of collingwood it, it seems like he would start this week yeah it seems unlikely we'd make that mistake again I would say. See, that's the point. You've got to, got to be able to look from your op- opponent's point of view and see your weaknesses that they're going to try to use against you. No, I don't think that was done. Anyway, it'll be an interesting game. I, I I, hope we give them a bit of a shock. They've gone into a little bit of a hibernation mode, Collingwood, where a lot of the players are trying not to get injured before finals. Yeah, it would certainly be sensible. Yeah, I can see the rationale behind that. Uh, Mate, we better get to some social media stuff before we wrap up. The glowing reviews keep rolling in on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. If you could spare a moment or two to rate and review the show, we'd really appreciate that. We've had another five-star review here on Apple Podcasts from M10 Brodders. I know this guy. Fantastic analysis across the board and real Hawthorne passion. Bravo, lads. Keep the Hawks train rolling. See you in M10, Meso. Yes, you will. G'day, brothers. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for taking the time to rate and review the show. Look forward to seeing you this weekend, too. Uh, meanwhile, we'd love for you to join us on our social channels, Twitter. Well, or should I say X? Ugh, that's never going to sound right. It's not great, is it? But I guess if you're trying to... Uh, what's it, what is it, a 25-year dream of controlling the world's money laundering? I mean, money um, <laughs> transfers uh, is, um, is... You've got to call it X. Yeah. Makes it makes it more difficult in the government dossiers if it's just an X there, you know. <laughs> We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Plenty of buddy love this week, as you might expect, celebrating the great man's career. Get on board with us over on those social channels and join the conversation. And finally, this podcast is only made possible thanks to the support of our proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers. We'll have some bonus content for you later this month. It's been a little while, I know, but we're working on stuff. Uh, If you're not on board with us on Patreon, now's the time to sign up to get that extra good content. So hop on and support the show. Head to patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. Arriving virus has a red time item. Going with the topic of retro round, which I thoroughly enjoyed, I especially enjoyed the double denim of uh, Sam Frost. That was excellent. A few of them tried the double denim. Did you see Nash? Nash was just in this extraordinarily largely branded Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> I forgot those existed. <laughs> anyway, besides Croft, uh, arriving virus asks, who was the best player during 90s slash early 2000s? An era in which I was like... I don't know, nine or ten years old. So you would have, these are formative years. You obviously have had your favourites, Nick. My favourites were forwards, which I know is a, is a cheap way out. I obviously appreciated Croft, but, uh, you know, I liked Holland and Thompson and I liked Salmon as well, actually. Salmon's obviously a star, isn't he? So that would be my pick. Well, I was trying to look for players that, you know, 
did their utmost and and also um, were, were really very important in keeping the club moving. And one of the first fellas I thought of was, uh, I think he's 170 centimetres, Richard, Richard Taylor. I think he was pick up in the early 90s, had a, did his knee. Actually, he was, his debut, he debuted in the 160 point win over Essendon. Did his knee that year. He was delisted and then he was re, relisted at the end of that season. And I think he had two knee recos during his career, but, um, he was an absolute workhorse in the midfield and eventually Judge took him across to West Coast to try and get them up and going again. But, um, about the only thing I think he was memorable there for was uh, uh, punching um, Phil Matera in the face at training, I think it was. Wow, anyway, okay. Yeah, well, Phil Matera was that kind of character, I think. <laughs> <laughs> even, if he was on, even, even if he was on your side, he was still very punchable. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of punchable, I, I remember as a kid appreciating the, the grit and the brutality of Richie Vandenberg. Oh, yeah. I, I really admired that in terms of just giving it everything he's got and hurling his body and really just being a physical presence. I thought uh, that was always welcome for mine. Yeah, Richie Taylor wasn't that kind of player. But he'd see ball, get ball and give it to Croft. And Harford, of course, he was in there doing doing great stuff. And Yeah, I mean, probably, probably not early 2000s on this. I probably dodged the question a bit because Richard was gone by then. But who did I like? In- oh, Boya was was a talent that everyone thought was going to be immense. How's that snap from the boundary against Geelong? And then Daniel Chick, who got his premierships at West Coast. Dan Chicky was fantastic to watch. Yeah, I, I, I liked Chick. And obvious, obviously fantastic from the time he arrived. I'm surprised you didn't mention Ben Dixon. Yes, that's true. That's true. Honestly, one of the best players um, and was never given any kind of appreciation. Mark Graham. Mark Graham, at a certain point, I remember thinking as a, as a young lad, I just thought, poor bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Right? John O'Hay goes missing and he got some of the worst matchups. Oh. <laughs> and then, of course, we cannot neglect to mention Luke McCabe, who now is in the halls of power at Hawthorne. And uh, <laughs> he, was, he was very good for many years and, and certainly uh, overlooked a lot of... Um, Offers, but you know, in a in a downswing period, there are a few players there that were very talented that remained loyal, which was you know part of the influence of Ian Dicker. And this question from Big Lad Hawks: Who do we want to miss the final eight more? Essendon, Carlton, or Geelong? Fingers crossed for all three. Geelong <laughs> is my absolute must miss finals because they can win one. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you want you want there to be no question that the premiership defence is ended. Essendon. I think if they made finals, they'd probably win one this time. Yeah, you might be right, but Essendon's a tricky one. Like, you, it's a roll of the dice, isn't it? Because you almost want them to make finals to then lose it. I don't think they would lose. I'm worried about that too. With Carlton, I don't really have a concern. They've never really been a team that I've hated or anything like that, so... There's less of a personal stake in that one for me. Yeah, premiership from seventh. That'll be great. All right, mate. One final red time item. I think it's a good idea to to end the pod in the the way that we started today, this episode, uh, with Buddy Franklin. Some obscure Buddy Franklin stats. And there are no more obscure than this one, courtesy of the Instagram account AFL Central. Okay? Got to bear with me. We've got a bit to run through. 
The post begins. Here's the best buddy bounce stats I could find. I knew it was going to be bounce. <laughs> really? How could you have picked that? Because doesn't he lead us? Leads Hawthorne for bounces in a couple of seasons? Let me run through it. Career bounces, 187. Career high bounces in a game, 11. I think he had all of those against Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> Bounced the ball in every season he played. Same amount of bounces at Hawthorne as Sewer Rioli, 143. The only Hawthorne player to ever record 11-plus bounces in a game. Buddy's win-loss record was 63-43 when he bounced the ball. Wow. <laughs> Buddy versus every current player with 500-plus goals in terms of bounces. Lance, 187. The rest, 176. And, of course, the most famous bounce is over Brian Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Who had to change his name as a result. <laughs> oh, <that's>, wow. <laughs> no, no, it's all right, man. He's one of ours now. Well, Lake is, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. That, that moment was unbelievable. There's just so many moments where it was shock and awe in the best possible way, wasn't it? Like I said... Anything seemed possible, and uh, anything was, routinely. He made it look easy. I hope he maintains a presence in the football world. I know there's so many other things he can do, but... um... It's interesting. I can easily see him sort of fading for the limelight and not having much to do with footy, and I think it would make him happy. Sydney do that with the best key forwards in the game. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) (laughs) this has been another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. Mate, I've got to rest my voice. I feel terrible. <laughs> I've got to get myself match fit for Hawthorne versus Collingwood at the MCG Saturday, 4.35pm. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.